Go ahead and pull out your Bibles this morning. It's been a good morning in church so far, huh? Awesome. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Um, Oh, shoot. I forgot my notes. But you can still pull out your Bibles. Rookie move, right? Go ahead and open up to Hebrews uh, chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning in a little bit. Go ahead and pull out something to take notes with this morning as well. Amen. God's good. Amen. Uh, So we're going to be talking about the Bible, and uh, we're still going to carry some faith that God's going to speak something to change our lives this morning, right? Me and two others is good enough for me. If you're new with us, like I said, we, we think church is a participation sport. I need your help preaching. I think that when we respond and we say amen and all that kind of stuff, it builds faith in the room and builds momentum in God, and I'm excited about that. So Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. We'll read that in just a second. Um, I don't know if you're into road trips or not, but I've taken a fair, a fair bit of road trips in my life. Just over a year ago when we were moving back from uh, College Station, Texas to start this church, uh, I was the one responsible for driving the moving truck from Central Texas up here to Indianapolis. It's a, it's dead on a thousand miles, which is, you know, pretty good. Not the biggest, but it's pretty, it's pretty good. Can I get some credit? Okay, thank you. And uh, I, so I, we rented the biggest Penske truck we could get because how do you estimate how much, how much of a moving truck you need, right? So we had this massive box truck and then I had to also tow one of our cars behind it. So I, I mean, I drove past semi-drivers who like gave me a nod, like I was doing a good job. So that made me feel like a man. I was pretty encouraged. So uh, I left early in the morning. I had uh, tried to time out. I had made the drive a few times before and uh, through college and all of that. And if you haven't made the drive from Central Texas to Indianapolis or vice versa, which I doubt that you have, don't do it because it's one of the most boring drives that you're gonna find. Somehow they made the worst route, I think it's the only way to get there. I'm being dead serious. I think that there's one exit with a Starbucks the whole thousand miles. You have to try that hard to not get that, to get that far away from Starbucks. I mean, it's pretty bad. So it's a pretty lame drive. But anyways, I timed it out. I, I knew about how long it was going to take. I, th- I thought I did at least. And um, I left kind of early in the morning and made my way up there. Thank you, Odessa. I appreciate that. And uh, so we're, I'm driving. I think I'm going to make it. And I, I decided I was going to stop uh, just south of Memphis. is a little over halfway there. And I'm on the drive, and I'm doing good. I'm making pretty good time. And I'm pulling to Memphis about 6 p.m. And everybody knows you can't stop at 6 p.m. on a road trip. So I just thought, well, I can't waste the evening. I tried to decide. How, I tried to figure out how much longer I had left to go, how many hours. And, and I thought that I was going to get in about 1 a.m. if I kept going, which is definitely longer than I wanted to go, but doable. You know, it's kind of in that range. Like, eh, if I push it, I can make it. So I decided I'm going to make it through. Well, I miscalculated pretty badly how much farther I had to go because it was 1 a.m. and I was still about three hours away because I'd forgotten about a time change and how slow you go in a massive truck that's towing something. So it was 1 a.m. It's pitch black outside. It's raining. And it had really rained almost every hour of the 19, 20 hours I was driving. Don't feel bad for me. It's raining, it's pitch black, I'm tired, I'm annoyed, and I just kind of hit that point where you're just kind of over it. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I was excited about this drive, I was gonna make it, but I should have been there by now, I've got farther to go, I'm tired, I'm annoyed, it's dark, I'm over it. I just wanna stop. But like I said, there's nowhere to stop. I couldn't even find a place to get coffee. There's no place to stop. And, and it was a pretty miserable experience, but do you know what it's like when you just, you're like, ah, I'm just over it. I just wish I could stop. Sometimes we get there in life where like life is taking a little, it's taking a turn maybe that you didn't expect or, or you thought you knew where you were going and how long it was gonna take you to get there, but you kind of hit that time frame and you're still not there, 
right? And uh, maybe you're, you're carrying more than you thought you were gonna be carrying at that point. It's taking longer, it's harder, and you're tired, and you just wanna stop. Life can kind of be, life can kind of be like that. We, we're heading down the road and we get that feeling in life where it's like, hey, it's 1 a.m. and I just wish this was over. Like I'm over it. I'm just, I'm done. I don't know if you've, you've felt that in life. Maybe you've felt that life in, like with your finances, you know? Like you're gonna start budgeting and you could put together this great plan and you're gonna get out of debt and you're gonna get stuff under control and you go for it and it's going great but then the car breaks and the refrigerator breaks and then the kids need a new, like a new pair of shoes that you didn't expect and all of a sudden things are tight again and you had paid off the credit card but now you're just like, I'm over it, let's just start over, I'm, I'm done. Or maybe like you were so excited to, to be an adult, you're gonna graduate college, you had a plan, and you knew that you had a job lined up, you knew what you were gonna, you know what you were gonna do, you knew who you were gonna live with, and it was gonna be awesome. But here you are, you know, like maybe six months or two or three or five years down the road, and uh, it's like two or three jobs later that you didn't expect, and the roommates didn't quite work out like you thought you were going, that they were going to. You still don't have like a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you're just over adulting. Everybody talks about it, like, yeah, let's do adulting. You're like, no, adulting's dumb. Let's go back to like college and friends and freedom and all that stuff. I'm over it. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> Maybe you've experienced this as a parent, if, for those parents in the room. You're, you're so excited to become a parent, but then uh, life happens, and all of a sudden, you can't get pregnant. And wow, wasn't it, one didn't see that coming, and that's just a little too much. Or, or maybe you lose a baby, and that is really terrible. Maybe you have some kids, and you think you're done, and then surprise, <laughs> there's another one. Or, or maybe everything goes perfectly to plan, but it's still 2 a.m. for the third night in a row. You've been up four times and you're just over it. Anybody, was that just me with my kids? Oh man, that makes me feel, you're making me feel bad. All I'm trying to say is sometimes in life we get to that point where we just wanna stop, right? Just pull the plug. Where's the parachute to slow this thing down? I had it all under control. I had a plan, but now it's not working. And if we're honest, those of us who are, followers of Jesus in the room, there's the whole following Jesus thing too. Yeah, there's budgeting and there's adulting and there's parenting. And, but then there's this whole Jesus thing too, where we just kind of throw on top of it because you've got all of that to worry about. But then you got the Jesus thing and, and there's all these promises in this book and you come to church and you get fired up and you know God's good and he's faithful and man, he's forgiven you and he set you free, but you're still struggling with that same sin and you just can't shake it. Like, I didn't know it was gonna, I didn't know it was gonna look like this. Or, or maybe you were even here at this church in January and we talked about how God was speaking for us. 2017, it's gonna be a year of we're moving into the promises of God. And in January, that was really exciting, but here we are in July and it still looks like the desert. And you just think, man, Andrew, that, that priest real cool used a lot of P's and alliteration. That's cute, preacher. Life's still hard. Jesus shows up on the scene of our lives of budgeting, of parenting, of being adults and trying to figure this whole thing out. And it sometimes seems like he just throws on top of it things like the kingdom of God is at hand and he wants us to believe, you know? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Like, where? It's not feeling like it. He teaches you to pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's fun in a prayer meeting, but it's hard in real life. Sometimes you just want to stop and you've been praying. You've been trying to do the life thing and you're trying to do the Father Jesus thing on top of it, it feels like, and you're praying. You've been faithful. You've been believing. 
you're going for it, but like your brother still isn't saved. Or, or that, that promise still hasn't happened. You've been holding on for a long time, but, but you're not there yet. Your heart still isn't healed. Or you're saying, yeah, I really want to believe for this kingdom, not just in my own life, but, but my city. And you look around and like the murder rate in our city continues to go up. But I'm praying, right? You hear? <laughs> See, when we talk about shouting me down, that's what I'm talking about. They're teaching us right now. They know it's true because it's hard. Yay! Somebody's recognizing it, yeah. But really, you know, our murder rate's going up in our city. Another suicide is on the news of a famous person this week. And how many does that represent that we aren't hearing about? What do we do? Like, sometimes I just want to stop. It's hard enough to do life as it is, and then I'm supposed to believe that it's going to get better. I'm going to believe that God's going to move in my life. I'm going to believe that that thing he said is going to come to pass. And it doesn't make sense. It's hard, and it would just be easier to stop. And you're going down life, no coffee in sight, and you just wonder, where's the exit, man? How do I pull off of this road? I want to preach a message to you this morning that's really uh, simple. And I want to preach to anybody who's felt like stopping before. Anybody who maybe feels like right now you want to stop. You feel like giving up on life. You feel like giving up on what God told you. Maybe you feel like giving up on God altogether. And this sermon might not be exactly what you want to hear. And it might not be the thing that feels really nice in the moment. But I believe that there's power on it. I believe it's from God. And it's going to bring the courage of heaven to you this morning. I want to preach a message to you simply titled this morning, write this at the top of your notes, don't stop. I want to preach a message this morning called don't stop. For those of us who have ever felt like stopping. I had you open up to Hebrews chapter 10. I love the, the book of Hebrews. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, it's on the back end of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is 13 chapters. So we're getting towards the end here in chapter 10. And um, we don't really know who wrote Hebrews for sure, but we've got a pretty good idea of who Hebrews was written to and when it was written to this audience and the purpose for which it was written. The, the book of Hebrews was written to uh, first century Christians. It was written very early on in the new birth of the church after Jesus had died and risen again and ascended to heaven and the church had started. People were coming to Jesus. Revival was happening. It was the first century, had, uh, which was awesome, but it was written to some, some Jews who had turned to Jesus and they were, kinda, they were in or around Rome at the time. And that's bad news for them because it was a really bad time to be a Jesus follower in Rome. In the first century, there was two different emperors of Rome who really hated Christians really hated Jesus, really hated everything that was going on. And so they decided to take it into their own hands and they were gonna make life miserable and or impossible for Christians. They were gonna arrest them, they were gonna kick them out of whole regions of Rome, tell them they couldn't live in certain cities, certain areas. They were separating families, they were uh, putting people in jail. And that was really the easy part because when they really got into it, they were feeding Christians to lions and tigers in front of thousands of people in the Colosseum. It was a tough time to be a Christian. It was a tough time. So this is who Hebrews is written to. It's written to a group of people who they, they, they heard about Jesus. They believed in the gospel. They said, I want to give my life to Jesus. They, 
sold out for the kingdom of heaven. And then life started to happen. And things were not what they expected, to say the least. Most of them had lost part of their family. Most of them had lost most of their friends. Some of them had lost homes. And they think, this isn't exactly what I signed up for when I started following Jesus. So to vastly understate the reality of the audience of the book of Hebrews, we could say things weren't what they expected. Things weren't what they expected. And not only were some people being imprisoned or killed or separated, but I think understandably, there was a lot of people quitting, saying, I didn't sign up for this. This is taking too long. This hurts too bad. This is too hard. There's a lot of people quitting and, and there's a lot of people talking about quitting. They're saying, you know, if I just got rid of this Jesus thing, everything would go back to the way it was. And I wouldn't have to worry so much. Things wouldn't hurt so bad. That's the backdrop of Hebrews chapter 10. It's, a, it's an intense situation in the book of Hebrews. And God speaks this encouragement to these first century believers in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. God says this, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. The author of Hebrews God speaks to his people in the first century and he speaks to us this morning. I know it's hard. I know it's not what you thought it was gonna be, but don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. It's not a cushy, comfy encouragement. It's kind of like bare bones, you know, like this is more like the football coach thing than the mom thing, right? Although from some of your moms, this is exactly what she says. It's not cushy, but essentially what the writer of Hebrews is saying to his audience uh, is just don't, don't stop. He doesn't promise. He doesn't give them an encouragement. Hey, don't worry. It's going to get better. Doesn't say that. Don't worry. It's going to get easier. Don't worry. The pain's going to stop. He doesn't say anything like that. He just says, don't stop. I know it's hard and it's probably not going to change, but still, I encourage you, don't stop. And the more that I follow Jesus, the more life that I live, the more I'm continuing to find reassurance, find faith, find courage, and find freedom in this simple encouragement from the word of God. The more life I live, the more I follow Jesus, the more I'm taking uh, faith from this encouragement from God. Andrew, just, I know, but don't throw away your confidence. It seems like everything's being taken away, but don't throw away your confidence. Don't give it away. It has a reward. I know it's going to be hard doing the will of God, but do it because after you've done it, you're going to receive the promise that you've been holding on to this whole time. I'm finding a lot of courage in this because the, the truth is, like I said, the more life I live, the more I follow Jesus, the more I read this Bible, the more I try to see this kingdom come and, and, and figure this whole thing out. It seems like the fact is that there is so much of the kingdom of God wrapped up in these two little words. So much of the kingdom has been found all through history through people who just didn't stop. They didn't have it all together. They didn't know what they were doing, but they didn't stop. And I see God speaking this to the first century believers in Hebrews. I see him speaking it to his church today. I see him speaking it to you this morning. And as I look back, I see him speaking it to so many of the people that are heroes of our faith. He says, don't stop, Moses. I know you can't reconcile the color of your skin with where you grew up, but don't stop. 
I know you killed somebody and then you ran away and you've written yourself off for these 40 years in the desert where you thought everybody forgot about you, but will you turn aside one more time to this burning bush? Will you open your ears one more time to the voice of the Lord and will you just not stop? I know Pharaoh said no nine times. I know there's a sea in front of you that you can't cross. I know there's a few million people behind you who are hungry and thirsty and you have no food and water, but you will set them free. Don't stop. I hear Jesus saying, don't stop, Joshua. Don't stop. I know it's been six days of marching your whole army around a wall that's not even cracking yet. But you will cause these people to inherit the land that I promised to their forefathers. Don't stop. I hear Jesus saying, don't stop, David. Don't stop, David. I know your whole family forgot you even existed out there in that field, but keep singing. Keep pouring out your heart to me. I see you, David. See him saying, don't stop, David. I know you had your right hand man killed after you got his wife pregnant, but don't stop coming into my presence. You are a man after my own heart. I will establish your throne forever. Don't stop, David. Don't stop. I see, I see Jesus looking at Mary saying, Mary, don't stop. Don't stop saying, Lord, whatever you say, let it be done in my life. Even when it makes people think you're sleeping around. Don't stop, Mary. Don't stop carrying faith for the promise I spoke to you that you will carry a son and he will be the savior of the world. Even when he's up on a cross, his friends have ditched him and there's nobody else there but you. Don't stop. Don't stop, Mary. I see Jesus telling himself, don't stop, Jesus. Don't stop when people curse you, when people hate you, when people crucify you. The ones you're trying to save are driving nails into your hands and you've got no air left to breathe, no blood left to give and it'd be easier to quit. Don't stop. Don't stop. And I see him saying to you this morning, don't stop, man of God. Don't stop, woman of God. Don't stop. Don't stop being committed to purity in a world that doesn't value it. Don't stop investing in your character. Don't stop carrying faith for what I called you to that nobody even knows about and you can't do it yourself and you need me to move and you feel like I've left you. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. This is the encouragement from heaven to believers who just want to quit. Don't throw away your confidence. It has a great reward. And after you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. Don't stop this morning. I want to talk about two things that are going to help you not stop. When it's 1 a.m. and you got three hours to go, nothing in the tank. And it'd just be easier to stop. You want two things this morning? You want 17. I wrote down 17. We'll do two. Number one key for you to not stop is remember where you're going. Remember where you're going. In Hebrews, this book of Hebrews that's written to this group of believers, we pick up in chapter 10. God knows his people. God knows what his people are going through. He knows how bad it hurts. He knows it's legitimate for them to want to quit. He knows that that things aren't what they expected. And when things aren't what you expected, when things get hard, when they hurt worse than you thought, when it's not what you expected, it's amazing how much more narrow your vision gets. All of a sudden, when you want to quit, the more you want to quit, the more you only see you. The more you only see what's wrong. The more you only see what is what you didn't expect. Am I right? 
You just, your vision starts to get more and more narrow. When it hurts, all we see is ourselves. When it hurts, all we see is what hurts. And the fact is that your discouragement about where you are is what's gonna keep you from where you're going. I should write that down. Your discouragement about where you are steals your hope for where you're going. So God knows this. God knows that if all that they can focus on is their discouragement about where they are, it's gonna steal their hope for where they're going. And so God wants to take the book of Hebrews and remind them about where they're going. And we pick up at the very end of chapter 10, about, about 10 and a half is where we start reading. And the first 10 and a half chapters of this 13 chapters, all God does before talking about their struggle, before dealing with their pain, before telling anybody to keep going, before an encouragement to not stop, before he even deals with where they are, he goes on and on about where they're going. That's what chapters one through 10 are all about. It's a reminder of who Jesus is. He takes 10 and a half chapters to remind you why you got into this thing in the first place. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but like I said, I want to preach to the people who want to stop. So we're going to go through all 10 of these first chapters and remember where we're going. Because I, I don't want anybody's hope to get stolen today. In, verse, or in chapter 1, He's talking about Jesus saying, don't, don't forget where you're going. He's the radiance of the glory of God. He's the imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for your sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is where you're going. In chapter two, it says he himself, Jesus likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, comma, just in case you didn't know, the devil. In chapter three, we're reminded that Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are God's house. In chapter four, he says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Remember where you're going. In chapter five, it says that Jesus being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey. Don't throw away your confidence, keep obeying. Chapter six, he says we have this sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. Circumstances aren't sure, your feelings aren't steadfast, but we have this sure and steadfast anchor for our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Verse seven, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Come near this morning, remember where you're going. In chapter eight, we have a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. I know man is tearing down the world around you, but your God sits on a throne that he himself has established and no man can take it down. Remember where you're going. In chapter 9, he entered for once for all into the holy place. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. This is who your Jesus is. 
Remember where you're going. And in the beginning of chapter 10, it says, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. These first 10 and a half chapters, they're not an encouragement about where you are, they're an encouragement about where you are going. And it's on this backdrop that the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in verse 35 and 36 says, therefore, because of where you're going, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. You have need of endurance. It is hard, but he is sure. He is steadfast. He is on the throne of majesty. He is seated on a throne that no man can take down. He has entered into the holy place. He saves to the uttermost. This is where you're going. Don't, rem- don't forget where you're going. Don't stop. Don't stop. When all you can see is you and what's not working, you don't need to quit, you need to see Jesus. You've got to see Jesus. Lift up your eyes, remember, remember who he is. Remember where you're going. When you wanna stop, when you wanna pull the plug on life, when you wanna pull the plug on what God's called you to, when you wanna pull the plug on what you're believing for, when you wanna pull the plug when everybody else is ditching you and making fun of you and you're not seeing the breakthrough you want anyways, come on, don't stop. Look at Jesus. Remember where you're going. Number one, if you don't wanna stop, you're gonna have to remember where you're going. Fight to remember where you're going. Number two, remember who you're taking with you. Remember who you're taking with you. I want you to write this down. The fight in front of you isn't just for you. The fight in front of you isn't just for you. In Luke 22, verse 42, we pick up the story of Jesus and his life. He's about to go to the cross for us. And we just meet Jesus in an incredible moment of humanity. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Chad, do you have that verse? Okay, perfect. We meet Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested. His friend is about to desert him so he can be handed over to be crucified and die a death he doesn't deserve. He's sweating blood. He's anxious. He's in pain. He's scared out of his mind. And he's kneeling in it by himself in a, in a garden. And he says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. In other words, Father, I'm out. If there's any way possible, can we just stop? Can we just stop? This is going to hurt. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we've got the luxury of knowing the rest of the story that Jesus didn't quit. He could have stopped. He could have stopped a whole bunch of times, but he didn't. But why? Why didn't he quit? few chapters after Hebrews 10 in chapter 12 verse 2 it says this we're encouraged to look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith why didn't he quit because there was a joy that was set before him and it was for that joy that he endured the cross and it's for that joy that he despised the shame of being hung naked and bloody in front of the people he was dying to save and it's that joy that brought him to the right hand of the throne of God he didn't quit he didn't throw away his confidence he had endurance he did the will of God and he received what was promised don't stop why didn't he quit because Jesus remembered who he was taking with him 
He didn't want to be on the journey he was on, but he remembered who he was taking with him. And he remembered that there was going to be a thief on the cross next to him that had no hope other than being crucified next to the living God. And he said, I'll remember who I'm taking with me. I'll go to the cross for him. He remembered that there was going to be a Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross, probably one who put nails in his hands and a crown of thorns on his head. And that Roman soldier was going to watch the skies turn dark. He was going to feel the earth shake. He was going to hear Jesus cry out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And it wasn't going to make any sense. But it was going to take that for this man to look up and say, surely this was the Son of God. He remembered who he was taking with him. Why didn't he quit? Because he knew that sin had broken the world that he loved so much. And he knew that there was a lot to be done. He knew that he was making a way, but he knew that there was a lot more work yet to be done that he was going to give to you, his church. And he knew it was going to be hard. He knew it wasn't going to be what you expected. He knew it was going to hurt sometimes more than you planned on it hurting and it was going to cost more than you wanted to pay. He knew. And Jesus didn't quit because he knew that you'd be here this morning with all that you have going on in your life. And with all of that, on top of that, you're trying to carry this kingdom that he encouraged you to carry. And he didn't stop because he knew that what you don't need this morning is a God far off in heaven saying, suck it up. He knows what you need is a God who comes close, who gets hung, torn, naked on a cross and bleeding. And with the last gasp of air in his lungs, looks at you when it's hard and says, I know. Don't stop. He knew he was bringing you with him. And I don't know if you've looked around recently but everybody around you is feeling the same thing. Everybody around you is feeling the same thing. I just wish it would stop. Everybody wants to quit. And if we're honest, and most people are honest, most people have quit. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, our nation, this world, everyone's trying to figure out how to do this thing, how to do this life thing. What's going on here? The sin, the bondage, the hate, the killing, the suicide, the debt, the selfishness, the hypocrisy, the apathy, everyone's quitting. Everyone's quitting. Purity is hard, let's quit. Character's hard, let's quit. Faith doesn't make sense, let's quit, forget that. Life is hard, let's end it. Let's quit. The world is literally killing itself for a lack of hope. And when you don't stop, you become their hope. When you don't stop worshiping when it's hard, when you don't stop being faithful when no one sees you, when you don't stop building your character when a shortcut would be easier, when you don't stop your marriage even when it's not fun anymore, when you don't stop carrying faith even when you're disappointed, even when you're hurt, even when you're scared, even when it's taken longer than you want it to take and it costs more than you wanted to pay, and when you don't stop being committed to the body of Christ, even when it's not perfect, you will get where you're going. You will. You will get where you're going. You're gonna get to Jesus. You will see him. 
Don't throw away your confidence. You will see Jesus. And you're gonna see him move in your life in ways that you couldn't imagine. And in the end, when you stand before him, when you don't stop, when you make it to the end, when you finish the race, when you fight the good fight, you're gonna see him. And he's gonna welcome you into his kingdom with open arms. He's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And not only are you gonna get where you're going, but you're gonna look back and you're gonna see friends. You're gonna see some of your family. You're gonna see nations. You're gonna see strangers who are running down the path that you gave your life to blaze. You need to remember where you're going. You need to remember who you're bringing with you. It doesn't make sense, but don't stop. It doesn't feel good, but don't stop. You don't even know how to do whatever it is, but don't stop. I want you to stand this morning as we end our time together. We're gonna close with a song that we sang earlier, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're gonna sing it because we wanna sing it as a declaration that we're gonna be a people that don't stop. I don't know if it's you this morning that feels like stopping, but I hope you took notes because you'll get there. You'll get there. You'll get to the point where it'd just be easier to stop if you're not there now, if you haven't been there before. But we got a song in our hearts that's yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're gonna sing it as a declaration that we're not gonna stop, that we're gonna keep saying yes to Jesus. Because what's gonna keep you going is remember where you're going. What's gonna keep you going is remember who you're gonna take, who you're taking with you. But the way you keep going is just keep saying yes. Just keep saying yes. And when you can't hear what God's saying, just remember the last thing he said and keep doing that. Just keep saying yes. It's what's gonna keep you going. Can we sing it together this morning? Can we be the people that say yes, Lord? It's not a one-time thing. When I hear you whisper in the night, when I hear you call my name, whatever it costs, whatever it feels like, whatever it doesn't look like. However much I wanna quit, I'm coming running. And it's not a one-time thing, I'm signing up for the rest of my life. I wanna pray for us as we go into this song. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Before we pray, you may be here this morning, you've never said yes to Jesus. You hear Hebrews chapters one through 10 and you think, I need that Jesus. I do wanna stop and I've got no hope all I have is the discouragement of where I'm at. I need a hope for where I'm going. I need a hope for who I'm bringing with me. And I need to say yes to Jesus. If you want to give your strengths, your weaknesses, your sin, your good parts, your bad parts, all that stuff, if you need Jesus this morning, I want to invite you right now to raise your hand when nobody else is looking. Raise your hand and say, I want Jesus. Amen. 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 For those of you who are raising your hand this morning, I want you just to pray in your hearts this prayer after me. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a confession. The Bible says just confess that you need Jesus and you're gonna be saved. So either out loud or in your heart, I just want you to say, Jesus, I need you. I don't have it together. I don't know what it's gonna look like. But right now I say yes to you. Would you forgive my sins? Would you give me your new life? I receive your forgiveness right now. And I say yes for the rest of my life. In Jesus. 
over the rest of us, we're gonna sing and sign up again. I don't know about you, but I've noticed I need to keep signing up. Anybody ever notice you need to keep signing up? Well, let's sign up again. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for those right now who have just decided to say yes to you, Lord. We thank you for new lives. We thank you for a new race, God. We speak courage into them in Jesus' name to make it for the long haul, to never stop, to see you, Lord. And Lord, I pray over this people that we would become a beacon of hope for this city. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. I know, God, we're gonna have need of endurance, but you are our strength. We will do the will of God and receive the reward that is promised. We thank you for your encouragement this morning and don't stop. So God, we invite you, Holy Spirit, always remind us where we're going. Remind us who we're taking with you. And would you put a yes in our heart, even when we don't understand, would you teach us to say yes? And would you teach us, Lord, would you help us remember this moment? Would you help us remember this song? Next time it gets hard. Next time we want to quit. And I pray that this will be a marking moment in our lives where we remember, no, I've already said yes for the rest of my life. Teach me to say yes again.